Welcome to the Fantasy Football Formula Podcast. We have a Riley Crum and Kyle Gullet duo classic podcast right here tonight. I am No Luck Chuck Clay Smith. Let's take it down to the boys. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Formula Podcast. Uh, this is a Riley and Kyle only episode, but um, kind of kind of an emergency podcast since the uh, since some big stuff has happened in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, some pretty big stuff. It is. It happened on Saturday night. This is Monday night. We haven't had a chance to do it until now, but we're doing. We did this as soon as possible, as soon as physically possible. Yeah, it's it's not easy, you know when. There's just so much going on, but um, I'm really glad to be here. I'm really glad to be talking about you know your Colts. I actually really do feel bad about this one because um, it's tough. Uh, I, I actually said something at work that I thought was really funny. Uh, somebody told me it happened, and I said that would be like Michael Jordan just saying he was going to retire <laughs> in, the, in his prom, and I was like, wait, he did. Never mind. That's not that I'm comparing Andrew Luck. So you're telling me he's going to come back? No, and win us three more titles. Three more. This is becoming more and more impossible as we go. No, it's not. I'm not even comparing him to Michael Jordan. I just said the first name that came to my head, and then I realized, like, wow, this is exactly what happened with Michael Jordan. But it is, um, it is crazy. It's not it's as unprecedented as a lot of people are, are saying it is. But I don't think so in either. terms of stuff that we've lived through, it's it ranks at the top. It has to be. I believe it could signal a big shift in the NFL. I really do. You know, and it's interesting that it came from a quarterback because quarterbacks are notoriously players that play longer than, say, running backs do. So to see a quarterback that has a potential to set a standard of this sort is, is pretty interesting. Um, The only thing I think that hurts that movement is the other – circumstances because his latest injury was a calf wasn't it so yeah it was, it it shows, was a calf ankle hybrid yeah. something if it <laughs> I don't was know. yeah but if this was just a um a concussion thing i really do think that this would be massive because there was that one offensive line that retired a few years ago early and then there was a defensive back that also retired early i don't have either of their names off the top of my head that would have been good, you know, if I'd prepared something like that before the <laughs> podcast. But well, nobody, of, nobody really knows the names of any anybody that isn't a quarterback or a high level skill position player. That's true, but but those two people did retire because mm-hmm. of concussions, and yeah. um, I think that if Andrew Luck had done it for a concussion, it would have it would have really pushed a lot of minds. It would have pushed a lot of people. A lot of people would have changed their minds on this, and I think it's going to take something like that to really fix this issue. And I'm not saying it's going to be the end of football, but it's going to be the end to a lot of the rules that we see today. Yeah. We're, we're moving that direction. So yeah, let's, uh, let's open. We're going to talk more about that in a minute, but let's open up with the question of the day. Yeah, this is a, this is something that I've been wanting to talk about forever because I have a, a contradicting opinion on this. And that is who is going to be the more valuable quarterback for the Los Angeles chargers. And this is a, Running back, sorry. Got <laughs> Andrew Luck's running. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> Fight for the charge. <laughs> uh, sorry, Philip Rivers. Philip Stream. Um, but the, this is assuming that Melvin Gordon's not going to play for at least the first half of the season. So which running back's going to be more important, Justin Jackson or Austin Eckler? For context, Justin Jackson's being drafted in the 10th round, 5th pick, and Austin Eckler, ADP, 5th round, 11th pick. 
So, Kyle, you can start us off. What do you think about these two players, and who are you going with? Yeah, well, this is an interesting scenario because these are two players that we people think that they know, but we really don't know who's going to be the lead back. We're, we're guessing. We have no idea. People act like they know, but we don't. And I'm not saying I do, but I do believe that Austin Eckler is the better player, and I think he will have the bigger impact. But there's absolutely no reason for there to be a five-round difference in their ADP because it's going to be a committee like almost all backfields are nowadays. And I just think Eckler is a better pass catcher. He's better in the in the passing game. He's going to be in on the vast majority of third downs. And I think he's more explosive. And he's going to share the early down role, but I think he's controlling that third down role. So I think in the long run, he will be the more valuable asset during that time. But Justin Jackson in the 10th round is really someone that I, I, I like taking a shot at. So um, I agree with you for a small extent. I'm definitely going <laughs> Justin Jackson for mm-hmm. sure, but for different reasons. I actually believe that he will clearly be the first and second down running back. Okay. Last season, uh, when Melvin Gordon went down, the ball was given to Austin Eckler 17 times, and Austin Eckler did nothing with the ball. Like, he proved that this is not his role. This is not his expertise. Not saying he's not a talented player, but he is not a talented running through the tackles. Mm -hmm. So if they go into the season, they already know that. They tested this last year. Why would they give it back to him again? And I'm not saying they're not going to. It's possible. I'm not in it, you know. I'm definitely nowhere near a quarterback, a a coach. I'm going back to quarterbacks for some reason. Uh, (laughs) I'm not a coach in the NFL, and and they they know what they're doing, and I I trust his decision, but they tried this last year. Like last year, they – when Melvin Gordon went down, they gave the ball, they gave the chance to Austin Eckler to take it because he's mm-hmm. the more talented player. I agree. And he folded. Then they gave the ball to Justin mm-hmm. Jackson the next game. And I'm not saying that he was lots out, but he was pretty good. Like he scored a touchdown. I remember watching the game. I picked him up. I have him in our dynasty league right now because that after that game, it was really impressive. Like he really did show out. Like um, it wasn't unbelievable. It wasn't unprecedented. But it was good enough where mm-hmm. I felt confident picking him up over Eckler and saying, this guy's going to have the one, the first and second down role. And Austin Eckler's going to have the third down role on lock because he already did. Like, it's not like that's going to mm-hmm. change. That's but true. that first and second down is going to be Justin <clears throat> Jackson. So you're thinking of this is going to be more like a situation last year with Keenan Drake and Frank Gore in Miami where Justin Jackson is going to take that Frank Gore role and just – get more carries, like not even close every game, and then Eckler's just going to be a change of pace back. Uh, 100%. Justin Jackson is a pretty good runner between the tackles. He's not he's not going to own this role and dominate, but he's pretty solid, and he's going to score a touchdown or two. Mm-hmm. If uh, we go halfway through the season, he'll have one or two touchdowns. And so there's going to be one or two games where if you pick and choose your fights, you might have you know a flex running back, or if you have a bad injury, you might have a starting running back in a deep league. Um and you're drafting him in the 10th round. And mm-hmm. you're drafting Austin Eckler in the 5th round. The 5th round ADP is kind of crazy for someone who could I, be, you know, not barely even a flex the second half of the year. It's crazy. I really don't understand what's going on there. Because I'm not ever going to draft Austin Eckler over Jarvis Landry. 
And mm-hmm. I understand Jarvis Landry's position, but Jarvis Landry's the number two receiver, not the number three or four. It's not like he's being buried or injured or anything. He's the number two receiver. And how, mm-hmm. how many viable two receivers are there in the NFL? And I'm not trying to jump ship to Jarvis Landry. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> what's the argument to say that Austin Eckler's better than Jarvis Landry in any way? And I completely agree happened. with you in terms of the ADP. Uh, and and we're, we're in complete agreement on the ADP. Justin Jackson is the better value at his ADP. That sure. I, I definitely agree on. And we're the part we're arguing about is is who is going to be the actual more valuable asset during the time before uh, is out if, if he is out. Doing, yeah, if you're doing the more valuable asset, then Austin Eckler um, is more valuable, but not by a lot. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's by a lot. I know that you have a slightly different opinion. It's not even that much. Yeah, it's and a lot of it does come back to the passing network because I don't I. Do not believe in the slightest that Austin Eckler is going to like double Justin Jackson's carries and be the absolute workhorse back at all. Not even close. In terms of carries, I think they'll be very close, and Jackson might even lead. But when you're looking at the passing down work, Melvin Gordon last year had 50 catches, Austin Eckler had 39, and Jackson had 15. And Jackson's actually did was pretty good in the passing game, 15 catches, and he only had 50 carries. So the ratio of, is there of a well rounded back, but Eckler has consistently been one of the most electric passing down passing work backs in the league for the past couple of years. Yeah. Austin Eckler, I remember watching a um, Eagles game. I think it was two seasons ago and he busted out like a 39 yard carry for a touchdown and the Eagles <clears throat> were killing him. And it was just so surprising. I remember right after that, I was like, wow, I mean, this guy can play. I mean, he, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's quick. Good. He's, really good. he's good. I just like Justin Jackson. And there's, there's just one last thing that I want to say before we move on is, I think a lot of people when they look at it, they're they're thinking, "Oh, Justin Jackson, he's a he he's bigger than Austin Eckler, more powerful, whatever." And he is three inches taller. But did you know Austin Eckler actually weighs more? Wow. No, Austin Eckler weighs 199 pounds, and Justin Jackson weighs 193. 193 is a small six. He's six feet tall, 193 pounds. Wow. Wow, that's not that's that that's like surprising. A, a, Takes him out of consideration for any work or anything. I, I just, it's just something to think about. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now um, on to the uh, depressing your, section. The, your favorite part of this whole thing about football. Mm-hmm. Um. So Andrew Luck retires. What was your first reaction? Uh, I don't know if if you if you saw it, but I was actually with my girlfriend at the time, and. I was freaking out. Like, I was pacing all over the place. Like, I didn't know what to do. She took a video and put it and put it on her Snapchat story. And I didn't even know she did that. And I watched the next day, and I looked like a freak. I had pushed my hair all over. I looked like uh, Doc Brown from <laughs> <laughs> from Back to the Future. I was I was just going crazy. But none of that. Anger or sadness was directed toward Andrew Luck. He has been one of the most professional players in the league. Uh, I think that's true for a lot of the Colts players, which is why my fandom has grown over the years. Like Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, even T.Y. Hilton, those guys. Like the receiving core, the quarterbacks have been great. And he fit right in with that. And he was great. He was awesome. I loved watching him play. The comeback against Kansas City 
in the playoffs is going to be one of the best sports sporting moments of my life, and it was because of him. And I, it's just it kind of made me reflect on on just his career and how much I enjoyed watching him play. And it sucks that he's not going to be there, but uh, he had to do it, and I respect the decision. And I'm glad that he's going to be staying in Indianapolis because. I think that's pretty cool. He he feels like he's a citizen of Minneapolis now, and and I I feel like he he is as well. That's pretty cool. That that's a that's a cool take on it. Um, I actually watched the full twenty six minute press conference and then the full twenty five minute press conference from Jim Irsay, Chris Ballard, and Frank Reich afterwards. Wow. I watched the entire like hour of press conferences on Saturday night. That's awesome. That's really cool. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean that that. That speaks volumes. That that really does say a lot, and um, that really is so important to a player's legacy. I I want to say that I do understand some of the Colts fans' anger, but when you put it like that, it's easy to rectify. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it's not easy though for people no, to just get rid of that first reaction, that knee jerk reaction, because, um. Why didn't he do it before the draft? That's the big question I keep hearing. Why didn't he do it before the draft? Why didn't he and do it before the draft? It's it's just the injury. That's what it all comes back to. It's the injury. So how they, bad was, was the like, injury? Do you know? I don't think they even know yet. They don't really know. He's he. Whenever they asked him about it in the interview or in the press conference after he had went through his speech and everything, and all the questions were, when did you make the decision? Like what is how bad is the injury? Like, yada yada yada. And the thing you kept saying is, I've I've been in this constant circle of injury rehab or injury recovery rehab and injury recovery rehab for like four years, and it it sounded like the injury that he has right now would have been a season long injury, like he never would have been a hundred percent, and it's, he just didn't want to go through that again, and he said that that took him his mindset away from the game. And he knew that he wasn't going to be there 100% mentally or physically for his team. And he said it, it, he didn't want to do that to, to his teammates. Wow. That's how he explained it. Um, wow. I, I agree with you. The fact that Andrew Luck's probably the most professional. Probably one of the most professional players in all of sports. Like, he's just so... He's such a good figure role model for that kind of thing. I love the video. There's so many of them. The videos of him saying good job after he gets sacked every time. Like, that's awesome. Like, he tells the player that sacked him, like, good hit, big guy, and stuff like that. <laughs> I've seen, like, six of those yeah. videos. Especially now, people keep posting them different places. But it's true. I mean, he, he is, like, the biggest professional in all of sports. And it's hard to lose a guy like that. But Yeah, it's just really – it's hard not to like him. He's, he's a really respectful guy. And Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. And I, I do understand where people are coming from. Um, it sucks that the timing of everything, and especially for people that have season tickets or they spent money on season tickets, they bought jerseys, they did all this to support him, and then he's not there. Yeah, it sucks. And the, So uh, I understand where they're coming from. The, the just don't take it too to far. The season you're about to have, you know, like we were just looking <laughs> at their statistics and they were four yeah. and 12 two years ago. Yeah. And so if he retired before that season, which I know he was injured that season, but let's say he retired that season, it'd be like, okay, whatever, we suck. I mean, it wouldn't have been easy. You still been hated it. But at the time, it had been so much easier to swallow than when you're going into as one of these Super Bowl odds on favorites, not the odds on, but one of them. And 
to to retire before that season and then know that you're going to subject your team to mediocrity for that season. Yeah. And that's hard too cuz i mean cuz a lot of Colts fans this was supposed to be the year you know for years now it's been that's building exactly to this moment <laughs> yeah well I mean, exactly true. we've talked about it a lot on this podcast like this was the year you guys have been building to this moment for like mm-hmm. five or six seasons now and cuz i know they got andrew luck a good offensive line yeah you you worked on that line for like four straight drafts it's there you got some weapons you got a decent running back you got a great defense and like this was the time like it was supposed to happen and to leave now is hard like and i I can imagine also it's going to have a big effect on the team positive or negative like Mm -hmm. negative of course because like wow they're gonna be so down but positive because there's probably because no one's come out said anything negative from that team about andrew luck so there's going to be a lot of let's win for Andrews and stuff like that. Yeah. And so that that's going to be something else, too. But And, um, and he did talk up Brissett a lot in his, his press conference, which I'm sure it's something he wanted to do. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping he's right. I'm hoping Brissett does come out and, and show some stuff. I, I can see it. I, I'm not projecting Brissett to be too great. Where do you have Brissett at now? Yeah, let's let's, let's talk about talk about where – the overall fantasy impact on yeah, the Colts. Yeah, so what are you looking at, Brissett? So I, I read my projections today um, after I got home from work, and Brissett came out as the number 21 quarterback in my projections. So he's more he's, he's low in QB2 in, you know, in two QB leagues or whatever you know format. I don't – he doesn't have QB1 upside, I don't think. He's just, he's just not that – Elite level talent. He he has a good arm, and he's he's pretty mobile, good size, but he just he's just not that that high in talent that that you want from a top fifteen QB. I I completely agree. Um, the one thing that I'll say is um, I actually don't think I'll be willing to pay the price for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anywhere and even in a two QB league, well, only in two QB two QB league because I won't be having him in a. I'm in a two QB league right now. It's a super flex, so pretty much two QB. And um, I had someone pick him up for a massive amount of fab. It's a dynasty league, just an ungodly amount. And I'm not calling that person out because the hops there. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just the fact that that's probably going to be his going price, maybe a little bit less, but it's going to his going price is going to be high, especially right now. Once fantasy experts kind of get a hold of it and reshape the narrative, maybe it'll mm-hmm. come down a little bit. But as of now, his his price is going to be through the roof, and I'm not willing to pay that. Yeah, I mean, um, and he, I'm not going to... He's not even turned 27 yet. He's still a pretty young guy. There's there's room to grow, from especially from where we saw him last time he played in 2017. There's definite room to grow. I'm sure he'll be better than he was then. What uh, do you just, think... What do you think the Colts are going to do this offseason? Do you think they're going to push for a new quarterback? Because now it's they built they because because honestly they built the team around having a good quarterback, mm-hmm. and so like we just said, when you take the quarterback away, they're left. they're yeah. fighting for above average mediocrity, like above average yeah, team. The now. the thing I I kept saying on Saturday night after I heard the news, I just kept saying we're going to win seven games, we're going to win seven games, we're going to win seven games, and I I think that's probably around where we'll be at seven eight games because we do have a, a good infrastructure a offensive really line is very good, good. infrastructure our, our talent away from that our receiving talent is very good we're pretty good running backs our defense 
they played above above expectations last year. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how that works out this year. I don't know if they're going to be able to to do as well as they did last year with the limited pieces they have. But they showed something last year, and if if they can play pretty good, I think we'll be solid. I think we'll be okay. Yeah, no, we're not going to be title no contenders or anything like we yeah. like we hoped. But I think we'll be okay. But no one's going to be happy to go up against the Colts week to week because yeah, I, I, because. Yeah. And so that actually takes me to my next point on the fantasy impact, and that is um, Marlon Mack's role. I mm-hmm. believe is going to be increased. You didn't think you you had him going down. However, just because his role is increased does not mean his his uh, fantasy value per se is going to spike because yeah. I think this is something that is um, overlooked a lot in fantasy, and that is how <clears throat> much you use a player also affects how effective they are when they get the ball. It's like Aaron Jones and Leonard Fournette are my best two examples. Aaron Jones is almost leads the league every year in yards per touch. And Leonard Fournette has one of the worst out of like starting running backs. I don't think that that is an exact example of how those two people play. Mm-hmm. I look at that as Leonard Fournette, the opposing team knows who they're going to run the ball because they had they had Blake Bortles at the quarterback and no receiving options. They know he's going to get the ball. They know he's going to run down the middle. And so they have eight in the box every play. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Aaron Jones has Aaron Rodgers behind him. He doesn't get the ball as, as often. They have a split backfield. So when he does get the ball, the defense is caught off guard. They're not game planned around him, and he's going to have more yards. Now, I'm not saying Aaron Jones isn't a good running back. I'm not saying Leonard Fournette's the best running back in the NFL. But I think both of those guys are talented people who have way different narratives because of how much have they get. So I believe Marlon Mack's going to get way more carries because um, two seasons two seasons ago when Leonard, uh, Andrew Luck has hurt the whole season, mm-hmm. They ran the ball, and, and Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, so I'm glad that we have this big sample size. It's different team, but still, mm-hmm. it's a yeah. pretty it's pretty cool that we get this. Um, yeah, it's, it's rare to have a comparison that's so on the nose. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's not going to be the same, but it is, it is very similar because it's the same team and the same two people. But um, <laughs> two seasons ago, when Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, um, the lead running back for the Colts got – uh, carried the ball 261 times that was frank gore 261 times he carried the ball um and then last season marlon mack only ran the ball 195 times mm-hmm. now the biggest difference i see here is the fact that marlon mack scored three touchdowns last year and frank scored nine touchdowns last year sorry marlon mack scored nine touchdowns last year and frank score frank gore scored three um, the season he ran the ball 261 times. He only scored three times. And that's mm-hmm. that's just because they're not going to be in the red zone as often. There's not going to be as red, as many red zone rushes. So that's that that's going to happen. So Marlon yeah. Mack, I believe, is better than that so, version of Frank Gore. But I don't think he's good enough. What effect does that have in your rankings? So what did you do? What did you where was he and, and what what did you do? One second. Let's let's pull this up. Let's see where he's. Uh, yeah. Going. Let's see. Let's see what see what you did. So Marlon Mack. Wow, he was the uh, number seventeen running back before this before? happened. Before, okay. Before he was number seventeen. Um. Now I would have him coming in about twenty three. Okay. 
because I don't, I, I'm not on the Philip Lindsay hype train. I don't like uh, Philip Lindsay. Uh, actually, 21, because uh, I'm not going to have uh, Mark Ingram ahead of him. I, I'll okay. still like Marlon Mack, because he's going to have a bigger workload. Um, I believe that. So, uh, I'll talk about what happened. So, I didn't have him very high to begin with. I had him in, in the early 20s. In that in that range that you have him now in that uh, Phil Lindsay Mark Ingram range, and yeah, I I think this is, this is a, a pretty decent hit for him because I I haven't been a a huge fan of him as a player uh, over his long two year career. <laughs> uh, he's he's a very good athlete, and when he hits a hole, he'll hit it hard, and he has the speed to make big plays happen. But I think in terms of consistency and vision, he can he can be lackluster at times. And I think a lot of that was hidden last year on a good team with a very good passing offense. And yeah, he, he, he might get more carries, but at the same time they have another very good back on the team in Naeem Hines who is much better for passing down work. Yeah, very different and, back, but also a very good back. And in a game in on a team that's that's going to be struggling a little more, you might find yourself in passing situations more. Naeem Hines might find himself on the field more. So I'm not sure how much of a workload boost he'll get. And I do and I also think that you'll see that efficiency drop that you were talking about mm-hmm. with not a significant significantly boosted workload which drops him down i think i have him at 26 right now and it's just that a lot of the guys above i feel more confident week to week because if you find if 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 we find ourselves i say we as the colts we find ourselves in a in a game where we're down early i can see him struggle to stay on the field for that game and i think his floor week to week is pretty low so the way I see it is a great offensive line. Like I said earlier, teams aren't going to be happy to play against the Colts. They're not going to enjoy it. Um, I'm not saying they're not going to come away with a win, but they're not excited to go to that game. They definitely weren't before this before Andrew Luck, but now they're, they're still. you still can't say, okay, now it's going to be fine just because they lost <laughs> yeah. their quarterback. Like You're still not excited about it. I think that the Colts are going to grind some games out this year. I think mm-hmm. to keep the ball in their hands – like you said, the defense isn't perfect, and to keep the ball out of the defense's hand, like out of the opposing offensive hand, like they're going to need to run the ball. I think the offensive line's good enough to give him some yards. I think his workload will increase because Jacoby Brissett is there. Naheem Hines, I had kind of hurt a little bit. Uh, Naheem Hines, I, I don't see being as effective this year because those dump off passes aren't going to be as often, and because mm-hmm. um, there's just not going to be as many passes coming out. So I still like Mac. Still like him. I'm not overdrafting him, and I'm not. Maybe you know, for this me, is kind this of, would be a good time for me to take advantage of people dropping on Mac. If they have yeah. him on our team, and they're like, like, like you just yeah, said, if you, like, if you're you not like liking Mac it, as a player, go for now, it. Now's the yeah. time. Yeah, go for it. I think I, I'm finding myself in a position that you often talk about. You you find yourself in where I think Naeem Hines is a more electric player, and I think. I don't think Mac is really better than him. So it's it's a talent thing for me where I think Naeem Hines is good enough to get himself on the field and not let Mac control the backfield. 
and in an offense that's not going to be as explosive or have as many touchdowns as we expected, I think that that's what hurts Mac more yeah. for me. Was Marlon Mack not available at the beginning of last season? I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, he uh, he just didn't get control of the backfield for a few games. Really? I thought he wasn't available. Cause who was the starting running back week one? I forgot who it was. I had him on my team. I started him week one last year. Jordan Wilkins? Jordan Wilkins last year in our Dynasty League. Yeah, I thought so he played, he played one game through the first five weeks. And then week six, yeah, and then week six through sixteen, he played them all. Wow, that that's a pretty big indictment on his ability. The fact that Jordan Wilkins beat him out in training camp. That's probably not a good thing. But uh, I mean, he's he's got the explosiveness and the athletic ability to be very good. It's just uh, he he's got to he's got to bring it all together as a runner and. I'm going to say the exact same thing about someone we're going to talk about later. I think Bye. I think we can right now. move on to the wide receivers real quick. Okay. And then we'll jump to our next bit of news. Okay. So, T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, you said the wide receivers, and, and all I thought of was T.Y. Hilton because the other one <laughs> non-existent now. Uh, As of now, I completely agree with what you wrote down um, in your notes that the rest of them are – pretty much unusable i was keeping my eye on paris campbell actually i really liked him and i still Mm -hmm. do as a talent but as a first year receiver with a decent to decent to okay quarterback i'm not taking a chance on him now actually i found myself in a lot of drafts at the very end if it was a deeper draft with people who knew what they were doing i found myself landing on paris campbell a lot i like what he shows and He's quick. He's got he's got good hands. He's, he runs some decent routes. I, I think that he he had the the capability of being good this year, and now um, I, I'm not going to be looking at him anymore. Yeah, he's a, he's a highly drafted, talented player, but it's just there's just not enough to go around. And I hate I don't I don't like that argument. I'm I'm not going to say there's not enough to go around, but I don't think there will be enough touchdowns to make him viable because you're not you're not expecting him to get a lot of targets yeah and whatever touchdowns there are to be had ty hilton is still like you said the one thing that i can happily say about jacoby Brissett is he's got a monster arm and mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. ty hilton got arm. that got that locked down the, the deep range ball that's ty hilton's like bread and butter that's easy <laughs> and then devin funches if you get in close there's mm-hmm. no way Paris Campbell's going to be fighting with him for air balls, like in the end zone. So, um, and that's not me saying Devin Funches is going to be usable because let's say Devin Funches scores four touchdowns this year. Um, he's going to have what, 300 yards? So it doesn't <laughs> matter. So, yeah. So I had Hilton pretty high. Um, I was the highest out of, out of everyone here at Fantasy Formula. And I bumped him down to the low teens around wide receiver 20. I think he's at 18 for me right now. And that might go a little lower. But I think that that's about where I'm going to stay. And he still has huge week-to-week upside. Oh, yeah. But well, that, you're, you're going to have those, you're gonna have those down games. Do. And it's, yeah. it's going to be tough. T.Y. Hilton, I remember... Don't take him as a wide receiver one. <laughs> yeah. At the beginning of T.Y. Hilton's career, I remember the games where he was dropped 30 in the next game. He yeah. was five. And it was like, oh, no, we have another Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> and then the last few years, he really evened out his game to where he was getting good production every game. And now, um, yeah, it's it's worrying. But I still like him, too. I still like T.Y. Hilton. 
yeah, I was I think I, tried I think I'm go, still higher than a lot of other people. We both are. Yeah. yeah, I tried to go and move them down my rankings a little bit, and I actually was finding it difficult too because me and you both agreed that um, we liked him more than Tyler Boyd, and mm-hmm. that was we kind of agreed right there on that line where we both liked Tyler Boyd a lot this year, and we mm-hmm, couldn't find ourselves moving him above T.Y. Hilton though, and that's kind of where our tears stopped. Where it was like, wow, mm-hmm. I can't go past this point. Because then you hit like a skid of three or four really young wide receivers who are projected to make a step up this year, but not promised. And yeah. T.Y. Hilton's floor is pretty high. Even T.Y. With Hilton has proven himself to be an elite wide receiver. No matter who and that, I mean, that's kind of what it comes down to is, is it's the players. He's just proven himself to be at that level, and those guys haven't yet. Now, you mentioned when you're talking about Funchess, Ebron, and the tight ends. What the are your Ebron. thoughts on the tight ends? Because... Yeah, back in 2017, when Brissett was the QB, Jack Doyle was second on the team in targets with 108. You think that happens again, or do you think Ebron comes comes out with a bunch of touchdowns again and then outshines Doyle? Wow, that's um, that's tough. I wasn't honestly, I wasn't a big fan of Ebron going into this year. Me neither. So when you first asked that question, I was immediately about to jump on Jack Doyle. But I don't think that it was a specific connection between Jack Doyle and him, and I could be completely and totally wrong. But the way I looked at it was Jacoby Brissett wanted someone safe, Mm -hmm. close to him to throw the ball. And if Eric Ebron presents that that, that security blanket, then he's going to be viable. What I would say is, I would actually be surprised if they split it. I believe it's going to be one or the other. So that's interesting. That's what I believe. I don't know why. It just feels like when they had um, who was the other tight end they had for all those years? It was Jack Doyle, and there was a second tight end they had. Dwayne Allen. Dwayne Allen, and it felt like they've been through a lot of tight ends. Kobe Fleener, Dwayne Allen. <laughs> Dwayne Allen was the one I was talking about specifically. Yeah, but um. It just felt like there was always one winner on that offense, even with Jacoby Brissett there. And like, um, well, I was actually going to bring up when Dwayne Allen was there as a sort of comparison to what might happen this year because you saw Doyle Fleener come in with more catches, more yards, but Dwayne Allen always got the touchdowns. It seemed like he had a touchdown every other week. And I, I could see something similar happen with Ebron and Doyle. Okay. And I, I talked to about how he got 108 targets in 2017 but just you know for reference third and fourth most targets on the team that year went to Dante Moncrief and Kamar Aiken so you not a, a depth of talent that mm-hmm. as much as this year Chester Rogers had 37 targets that year as well so you know there's definitely more talent so <laughs> I'm not expecting anything crazy from from either one of them. I will say that I, it did strike me as compelling, though, because it did it did seem like someone safe. Like he knew that worse, you know, push come to shove. Ty Hilton's thirty yards down the field. Instead of throwing an interception, I'm just going to throw the ball six yards to Jack Doyle. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, I mean honestly, <laughs> that's the way I thought of it, and I think that's compelling. That's something that needs to be noticed. Is that yeah, when it, when it comes down to it. Jacoby Brissett. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind Jack Doyle, but I'm, I'm, I doubt I'll end up with either one of them at all this year. Agreed. 
Now on to the next bit of news that dropped over the weekend. Lamar Miller towards ACL. And I feel so bad about this because Lamar Miller gets his money from being a consistent running back. Mm-hmm. So that sucks. It's not like next year everybody's going to be talking about how great Lamar Miller is and how we should be drafting him top of, like, you know, as a top 25 running back because that's not what he does. He's so consistent that you have to look at him. Like He's been the quintessential RB2 for years. Yes. and this is what he does. I feel bad for him because this really hurts his stock as an NFL player too because that that sucks. Like That's your bread and butter. You're mm-hmm. consistent. There's always been question marks behind him, and it doesn't matter because you know Lamar Miller is going to play 16 games this year. And it's not even that he's injury averse. It's just the fact that when he's on the field, he's just so – Average <laughs> in the best way possible. Like seriously, I he's love just solid Lamar at everything. I love Lamar Miller yeah, for that. He's, like he is just this really sucks for him. He's yeah. he's been a a staple in the fantasy community. Just everyone talks about him constantly because he's so consistent. You want to take all the upside guys over him, but he's so consistent. You also want him like he's always in that conversation, and it sucks to see him go down this year. I hope he comes back strong. Yep, but um, how does this? Uh, how do you believe this is going to affect their offense now? Well, the immediate question that everyone asked as soon as they saw this was, "Is Duke Johnson a workhorse back?" What do you think? So, no, because Melvin Gordon's going to be their starting running back, and he's going to think kill so. It. No, um, I, I just sit here and talked about how much I love Lamar Miller, but wouldn't that be awesome? Like. Oh yeah, um, great. That Let's offense would be so terrifying. Like <laughs> that, I, I was talking to my father about this, and I think that might be, I think that would be the top three offenses in the NFL if that happened. It would be it'd the be, Kansas City Chiefs. It would be the Cleveland Browns and the Houston Texans. I think would just be on a tier amongst themselves because. If you have Deshaun Watson, like trios, let's just look at trios, and you look at Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins, and Melvin Gordon. You look at Baker Mayfield, you look at Nick Chubb and Odell Beckham, and then you look at Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and uh, Damian Williams. A pit of just a pit. Damian Williams. Just uh, I take them off. Kansas City Chiefs are the worst. Off- <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I just think that that would be so cool, but um, I don't see it happening. Uh, just running backs just aren't. Right. So, so what is what is or your thoughts on Duke Johnson right now? Not definitely not a workhorse running back. He he might see himself as one. I don't know. I know that he kind of sees things differently as the coaches in Cleveland, but there's no way. I think he's a talented, talented running back, but definitely not in that field. This is like Austin Eckler versus Justin Jackson, except there's no Justin Jackson here, so that's hard. But I just don't see no. I like him more because of this, actually. I really do. Like, mm-hmm. I like. It's hard not to. Yeah, I like Duke Johnson a lot more after this happened, but not definitely not as the workhorse running back. It's just that offense is. It's just they're going to have to find more gadget plays with him, so it opens the door for more, and he's going to have to have more rushes, of course, mm-hmm. but not enough for me to be like, yeah, you know, first five rounds, let's go Duke Johnson. It's just going to be a. <laughs> I went yeah. from not looking at him at all to really paying attention now. Like, okay, this is serious now. Like, he's going to get some work. So, I haven't updated my rankings on our website yet. 
fantasyformula.com. And I, I went to check, and I had him 36th before the injury, which is seems pretty high. And it actually comes in one below what ECR is right now. I'm not sure how updated that that is on Fantasy Pros. But so I was I was high on him before, but I'm looking at it now, and I was high on him before. You might expect me to throw him up in the mid 20s, and I I I think I'm gonna have him at 32. Okay, no, I'm I'm down with that. Like I said, this is not going to really throw my perception on him because he's not a workhorse back, and I'm assuming you agree with me. Yeah, I mean, I I doubt he is. I'm not gonna say I know. Because I do think he's a very talented player. I think he's a very good player. He's one. He's absolutely one of the best pass catching running backs in the league. I would be surprised if he was. I'll say I, that. You're going to see him in the backfield, in the slot, all over the field because he's that good. They want the ball in his hands. But he's not that. a guy who's who you're going to hand the ball off to 12, 15 times a game. That's fair. I think he's going to see six to eight, maybe, maybe a little less, depending on the week. And he's going to get that passing down work. And I, I really do expect him to bring in another, another back. They don't have a lot on the depth chart right now. Uh, a lot of people have been saying maybe Carlos Hyde makes his way over there, which is very possible. And But either way, I, I definitely expect him to bring someone else in to help shoulder the load. But I do like Duke Johnson. I, I, I like to have him, like I said, I, I'll probably have him 32nd in running backs. I'm not sure exactly where that will fall in ADP. Probably six round ish something like that okay i'm down with so, that yeah i mean he he does get a boost not a huge boost uh very good player though um so you mentioned carlos Hyde. i know we talked about melvin gordon just for a second um do you like carlos Hyde if he gets picked up by the texans mm, i would probably like carlos Hyde more no i mean do or, you like I mean, carlos uh, Hyde? sorry i meant that i would like duke johnson more and for for in terms of, I, I would rank I would like, Duke Johnson higher. I would like Carlos Hyde more. I think Carlos Hyde is the um, and I've said this before. I don't know if I've said it in the podcast ever, but I look at him as the Ryan Fitzpatrick of, of running backs. <laughs> he is the journeyman who every single time he goes somewhere, teams hate to start him, but he does good. He doesn't do great, but he does good, and yeah. teams hate it. Teams hate mm-hmm. that he does good. He's just he's not great. He's not a great running back. But he's yeah. good enough. And, the, and there is definitely a sentiment going around that he sucks. And I disagree. I might have pushed that a little bit. Yeah, before. and I disagree. I don't think he sucks. I think he is okay. I think he does yeah. some things decent. Exactly. And if you let him do those things decent, you're fine. Exactly. Now, I think my paired with is, Dick Johnson, he could be solid. My thing is, his whole career, he's been he's been decent. Like, I think. I think it's one of those things where even NFL coaches get that idea where, like, I want to be the best. Like, I want to have the best, which makes sense. But they get stuck in that mindset to where it's like, I'm not willing to settle for Carlos Hyde. The Texans did the noble thing and said, you know what? We're willing to settle for Lamar Miller, and we're just (laughs) going to sit on this every year. And they tried to replace him with Deonta Foreman one time, and then they said, nope, (laughs) nope, nope, nope. we're going to stick with Lamar (laughs) Miller. And... They decided to do that, and no team has been willing to do that with Carlos Hyde. And I think that if they had, we would have talked about Carlos Hyde in the same vein that we talk about Lamar Miller because they're very yeah, similar, just sure. decent running backs. I do backs. think Lamar Miller is better, but, yeah, yeah, but that's what's similar. 
similar. So, Anyways, in terms what do you of the think overall it? offense, what yeah. do you think is going to happen? Exactly. Well, so with Deshaun Watson, I think there's going to be some more carries. I think there's going to be some more carries for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. More design carries, more run pass options, because even though I don't like handing the ball off to Duke Johnson between the tackles, I love Deshaun Jackson running to the right and then tossing it to Duke Johnson. I think that's going to be mean. I think I can see that happening for sure. Get him in some space. Yeah. And that's going to create more options for Deshaun Watson to run the ball. I know the RPO offense is huge in the NFL right now. And so I can see the Texans kind of dipping their toes in there a little bit more than usual. That's a, exactly what I, what I was going to say. I don't know if it really affects their offense too much because, as I said, I do expect them to bring another back to kind of fill that Lamar Miller role. But, yeah, like you said, I completely expect Deshaun Watson to see more design runs in specifically the red zone and close to the goal line. Like last year, he only he had five rushing touchdowns, which I said only, which is a lot for a quarterback. But someone as athletic and as good with the ball as him around the goal line, I would much rather have him with the ball than, I mean, even Lamar Miller, color side. I, th- I think you could you could see that number creep up to six, seven, uh, maybe even eight, you know, if you're lucky. I have him as my number two QB, and he's staying solidly at that spot. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much what I what my thoughts were. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I think there'll be some more passing in their offense because now mm-hmm. the dump off ability of Duke Johnson is something, and this would have happened no matter what. But mm-hmm. um, something I want to mention from last season with Duke Johnson on the field now, their ability to dump the ball off is way higher because Lamar Miller is not a pass catching back in any way, and Deonta Foreman was even worse. So. It's like there was no ability for them to just dump the ball off to a yeah. running back, and now there is. So the passing is going to feel a little bit safer when you know, oh, worst-case scenario, I toss it to Duke Johnson. And there might be a lot of dump-offs because their, their offensive line struggles. It's not the greatest. So, <laughs> And then also, yeah, Duke Johnson, good luck getting into space. Um, <laughs> yeah. Credit to uh, Lamar Miller for finding ways around that You know, offensive line. Just he's, always. Pretty, he's, he's good. He's good. I like him. Right. Uh, so, that's yeah, that's what we thought about. The two main the main points that happened over the weekend. That, that, that was the meat of the episode, really, today. Uh, but we also we have about 15, 20 minutes left. We wanted to run through some uh, late-round league winners, some guys that, that we really like in the late rounds right now who can end up winning leagues. Super high-upside guys that, if things fall in the right place, are going to have a high percentage of owner, ownership on league-winning teams. And yeah. how, how do you want to go about this one? I say we need to go through this fast. Let's quick fire these. Agree, agree. Um, okay, so my number one is someone who I think will be. Um, I think there is a small debate, and I think it should be a little bit larger than what it is right now. Um, and that is the running back who will take the place of Todd Gurley if Todd Gurley gets injured, um, as everyone is projecting it. And it is between um, between Malcolm Brown and. Who's the other one? I'm blanking. Darrell Anderson. <laughs> Darrell Anderson. Uh, and the problem with the battle is the fact they're ADP. Like, Darrell Henderson just continues to rise and rise and rise and rise. And Malcolm Brown is not. Is not at all. He It's the fourth day, and he's still there on the ground. And Malcolm Brown is being drafted at 13.08 right now in a half-point PPR. And I would love to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Love to take that risk because 
because um, I think that he very well could have that job, and he's going to get some get some work. I know people like Darrell Henderson because he's going to get some work no matter what because he is very talented. But Malcolm Brown is very consistent, and he, he could he could take that work. And I think taking a shot on that's not a bad option for that good of an offense. Darrell Henderson is going at the very beginning, first pick of the eighth round. That's crazy. That's a, a five five round difference. That's yeah. Way too big. And if 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 you Made me bet my life on who's going to be, who's going to get more work out of those two. If Todd Gurley's out, I would pick Malcolm Brown. It's fair. Actually. So yeah, so he he's super upside, especially if Todd Gurley misses. He's he's going to be very valuable, and you get him in the thirteenth round. You can get him right before you pick your kicker defense. So my first one was a little higher in the draft position. And that's Justice Hill from the Ravens. And he's a rookie, kind of unproven, and a lot of people are saying this is going to be the, the most run-heavy offense in the league, which it was last year when Lamar Jackson started. And a lot of people are expecting more of the same this year. I uh, also am not to the same extent as, as a lot of other people, but there's going to be a lot of rushes to go around. And Justice Hill is an explosive guy. He showed glimpses of feature back potential in college, he's super explosive. He ran a 4440, 40-inch vertical, just very explosive athlete. And he's super elusive. He knows how to make guys miss. And it's kind of similar to what I said about Marlon Mack earlier. I told you I'd get back to this, where there are shortcomings sometimes when it comes to vision. Sometimes he'll go for a big play and end up causing a big loss. But in the role that we're expecting him to be in with Mark Ingram taking on most of the inside of the tackle roles, Justice Hill can get out in space and do things that way. I think he could definitely be a playable asset this year. And by the end of the year, he might, he might be getting a lot of work. RPO, RPO, RPO. I could definitely see some of that happening this year where <laughs> Lamar Jackson runs out to the side, tosses it to Justice Hill. And it's just, I mean, he'd be perfect thought, for that. Lightning and lightning right there. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're a, a linebacker on the other team. I don't know which poison you pick there. I mean, there's just no winning that. If you have Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill running at you full speed. Agreed. I like that two. one. My number two is Jordan Reed. And this is not because I believe he's going to be an amazing tight end this year because that offense is really bad. Like, that's just a really bad offense. But in that way, I believe he might be the leading receiver on that team. I think he might lead the I team. I think he's the best receiver on that team. Exactly. So that leads me to believe, with my unbelievable deduction skills, that he <laughs> might be the leading receiver on that. Like, he might have the most yards. He might have the most touchdowns and the most receptions. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's not a ton, but that that's that's something to be said and be mentioned. Especially that he might from the, the tight premier, end spot. He might be the premier target. He's done it before for that team when they were a higher-powered offense with Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon. He, was, he had led the league, led the team before. Not the league, led the team before. <laughs> so... I know yeah. this is a different Jordan Reed, but it's definitely someone to keep in mind. on. He's getting picked in the 13th round as the eighth pick, like completely free tight end. Mm-hmm. Just if you if you decide to completely punt the position, like keep your eye out. I'm not against it. I had I've mm-hmm. changed my mind slowly on Jordan Reed this season. Yeah, I was completely against it, but now I'm not. It's like we always say with later on picks is you're looking for upside, upside, upside. He has some of the biggest upside from the late round tight ends. And if he doesn't work out, you're going to be streaming the position anyway. Just drop him and stream it. And 
if you don't want to pick him because you're scared of the injuries, you know, go Mark Andrews or someone else. But he's definitely someone you should keep an eye on. Yeah. Now, my number two guy is someone who I think I've talked about a lot. And I wanted to touch on him again because of what happened recently. And that's uh, DK Metcalf. And they announced that he's going to be going in for, for knee surgery, which is definitely a big blow. And he's fallen all the way down to the 12th round in drafts already. Already down the 12th round. Probably going to fall even more. And it is definitely concerning because a lot of times doctors go in for these knee scopes, these, these knee cleanings, whatever you want to call them, and they find something else wrong. And, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely watching out for that. But if it's if it all goes good, it's all clean, and he comes back two, three, four weeks into the season, I still think he's going to be a startable fantasy asset about halfway through the season, second half of the season. I think he could be a league winner. He's one of the best athletes we have ever seen, ever. 6'3", 230, 4'3", 3", 40 time, 27 reps on the bench, and a 40-inch It's just unbelievable the type of athlete this guy is. Russell Wilson is one of the best deep ball passers in the league. He's shown that consistently throughout his career. And now he's got one of the biggest, fastest, strongest receivers we've ever seen on his team. It's hard to see that go wrong. And Wilson always seems to have a, a, a favorite when it comes to touchdowns. Last season, Tyler Lockett had 10 touchdowns. Season before, Jimmy Graham had 10. Back in 2015, Doug Wallen had 14. If DK Metcalf finds himself in that role, he could finish with double-digit touchdowns without even playing the whole season. And he's going in the 12th round now, so you're not giving up a, a starting position to get him. You're taking him as your fifth, sixth player on the bench, stash him for three or four weeks. When he comes back, see what happens. I like it. I, I, I hate this this knee scope thing. I hate it, but yeah, I like it. Um, I saved my best for last. Um, it's Tyrell. Yeah, I've, I've talked him up this year, Tyrell Williams. And I was talking about before, and I'm, I'm not just trying to you know, toot my horn because it's <laughs> Tyrell Williams, but I was yeah. um, hyping him up before all the Antonio Brown stuff happened. And so now he definitely deserves the hype. And I don't, I can't believe he's so low. Like, he, he should definitely, he might be the number one receiver on this team. And I'm not saying he should go in the fifth or sixth round, but seventh, eighth round, like, I'm not taking him there, but I mean, I can totally <laughs> see his ADP going up to there. At the 11th round, definitely a value. He is a very, very consistent wide receiver, deep ball threat. Mm-hmm. He's also really large. I think that this is, he provides a really good blanket for Derek Carr. I know you don't believe in Derek Carr, and I know I do, so that really <laughs> frames this argument for against me. But I don't mind the shot, though, honestly. I like Tyrell Williams. I do. I, I like Tyrell Williams. I like Derek Carr this year. If Antonio Brown doesn't play, of course, that hurts my opinion on on um, Derek Carr and, and honestly a little bit Tyrell Williams because he's proven himself to be a great number two receiver. Yeah, and he, he's he's done it before. Back in 2016, he had it was like 70. It was oh here it is 69 catches, 1059 yards, seven touchdowns. If he gives you that this year, you're going to be absolutely ecstatic. In the 11th round, and I'm not saying he's going to do that or anything, but he's shown that he can do it. He's I'm got saying the skills. It's I'm saying it's, it's yeah, possible. It's definitely possible. Exactly. I, That's I like why it. at the 11th if round, if you're getting him in double digit rounds, go for it. Exactly. That's why. Um, I, yeah, I feel like he deserves to be mentioned. This yeah, last one for you is just kind of weird. What's weird about it? 
uh, the fact that he's the greatest end zone receiver of all time. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were uh, setting up this this episode outline before we started, and I listed a few players that I liked. Riley stole Malcolm Brown from me. Uh, I but... <laughs> didn't see it on there. You know that. <laughs> but uh, the Kenny Stills is when I listed, and I was looking up stats real quick for him, and I looked at Kenny Stills' red zone stats from last year. He had four red zone targets for four touchdowns and 35 yards. Ooh. The best red zone receiving season in the history of the NFL. It's the long minimum four receptions. It says. <laughs> yeah, minimum, <laughs> minimum four receptions. It like, has like a star and says that in the bottom, minimum four receptions. <laughs> <laughs> so that honestly has absolutely nothing to do with my argument, but it was funny. So yeah. Kenny Stills, he's, he's obviously a pretty big dart throw. This is a bad offense. I don't like to get pieces of bad offenses most of the time. And a lot of this comes back to me thinking that Fitzpatrick is probably going to end up on the field a lot because I don't trust Josh Rosen. And they're saying Josh Rosen is going to be the starter right now. He's He's got the lead and whatever. Fitzpatrick always finds his way on the field. I don't know how he does it. He always does he's it. great. He's so <laughs> much fun to watch. And he loves throwing the ball deep. And what does Kenny Stills do? He runs deep. He is like... I think he's six foot, a little over 200 pounds. Good size wide receiver. Runs like a 4-3-8-40. Speedster. He's going to blow out people. And Fitzpatrick will not hesitate to throw it as soon as he can. And they're going to be – I don't. the narratives like this aren't great, but they are going to be a bad team. They're going to be losing a lot, which means they're going to be throwing a lot. They're going to be looking for touchdowns. And Kenya Steele's, like I mentioned before, perfect in the red zone for touchdowns. And he also has huge – long touchdown potential, which over his career has been where the majority of his touchdowns come from. So on a week-to-week basis, he gets you a 50-60 yard touchdown. That's all he needs to do the entire week to be playable. Uh, Not to mention, uh, back in 2017, you know, he had 105 targets with Jay Jay Cuddy. So he's he's shown that he can be a high-volume guy before. All right. You know, know, I'll deal with it. I'll Say what you said earlier about the the Dolphin Rodgers receivers, real quick, just just to let everybody know what you were thinking about Albert Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I like Albert Wilson a little bit better. Uh, I actually, um, I've said this one before. Actually, this podcast, I enjoy Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, if he does win the job, like you said, he inevitably always does. There will be some games where, out of nowhere, the Miami Dolphins drop 30 points. And you're like, what in the world? This is supposed to be the worst Mm -hmm. offense in the NFL. And they are the worst offense in the NFL. And they should be projected as the worst offense in the NFL. But if Ron Fitzpatrick's the quarterback, anything's possible. Like, he's he's the least consistent (laughs) quarterback. He's the least consistent quarterback in the history of the NFL. But that's what makes it so much fun. At any point in time, there's an 80-yard touchdown waiting in his arm. At mm-hmm. any point in time. And so I like the pick. It's weird and quirky, and that's why I like it. Um, what I would do is before every game, if you have Kenny Seals on your team, if you decide to take Kyle's advice on this one, I would, before every game, just check check and just go go, go take a look and see who the Dolphins are playing. If if you know they're playing somebody, you think, okay, there's, there's an 80-yard touchdown waiting there. Maybe give Kenny Steele's a start. You know, you never know because it's going to happen a few times this year where Kenny Steele's drops 25 points. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
probably yeah. at least once, maybe twice this year. And if if Ryan Fitzpatrick gets to start, if Ryan Fitzpatrick's not starting, I don't have Kenny Stills near my team. Um, I don't have any of them near my team. I'm not drafting one one Dolphins player if if he doesn't do that. I liked Kalen Blodge a little bit earlier. I'm falling. I don't love Kenyon Drake. I'm out. So I don't have <laughs> any Miami Dolphins on my team <laughs> unless Ryan Fitzpatrick starts, and then maybe I take a look. That's fair. That's fair. I, I, he's he's a definite dart throw. Just. If you want to take a shot on a potential boom guy, I don't mind Kenny Stills. All right, Kyle, I have a question for you. Ask me. Why do kamikazes wear helmets? I'm, I'm sorry, repeat that. Why do kamikazes wear helmets? Do you know what a kamikaze is? I know what a kamikaze is. Why does he wear a helmet? Or she, sorry. <laughs> you know... This is one of the great questions that's plagued mankind for for centuries. For centuries. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm not sure there's a definite answer. I spent many a night just awake at night thinking about this, and I can't find an answer. Is this like um, one of those things where you like watch Brian Dawkins play and you're like, why does that man wear a helmet? You're like, no. I know why he wears a helmet. Like, I think I actually do know why Kamikaze's wearing helmets. Can I tell you why? Yeah, tell me why. And I haven't Googled this. This is my opinion. And I think it's actually a pretty good answer. You don't want to get hurt before you finish the mission. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. That's it. You just want to make sure you get there. That's like the one goal of the Kamikaze. <laughs> All right. I think I answered your big yeah. question. You feel better yeah, now? That, that, yeah, I'm... I will lose no more sleep. Perfect. I'm glad this was the question that we chose for this episode. <laughs> uh, I think we're done here. All right. Make sure you follow us on on uh, Instagram and Twitter at FF4, the number four, Mula. FF, the number four, Mula. M-U-L-A. <laughs> Mula. 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 Wow. That's it. That's our, that's our new ringtone. <laughs> See you guys Uh, later. See ya. Stay tuned for more fantasy football formula here on the unofficial Andrew Luck Retirement Fund Podcast Network.